Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. Hallelujah. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 6. I want to kind of stay in this vein that we have been talking about overcoming weariness, overcoming tiredness. Hopefully by now you've been convicted every time you've said, I'm tired. <laughs> How you doing? Oh, just tired. Oh, wait, no, my pastor won't let me say that anymore. No, I'm, I'm fine. I'm refreshed. I'm alive. Hey, speak it. Call those things to be not as though they were, right? Hallelujah. But we do need to address this weariness and this issue of fatigue um, in these last days. So let's look at this in Ephesians chapter 6. I'm going to read this to you from the Amplified. You, you know it. You've seen it in a, in a New King James. But in verse 10 starting, in the Amplified it says, In conclusion, be strong in the Lord. Everyone say, in the Lord. We're to be strong in the Lord. That means to be empowered through your union with him. Everyone say union. That's what we're going to focus tonight. Being empowered through your union with him. Draw, draw your strength from him. Draw your strength from him. That strength which his boundless might provides. So again, we're, we aren't saying that we're never going to feel tired. We're never going to feel weariness. You're not going to have opportunities of fatigue. You absolutely will have those weary times, those tired times. Even Jesus had tired moments in the natural. That's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about denying what's there or uh, ignoring, per se, what's there. But we're talking about where are we drawing this strength from? Where are, what are you relying on to feed you and strengthen you and quicken you and empower you and in times like this? And if we're talking about needing a church at full strength, then we need a church in these last days that knows where their strength comes from. So not knowing where our strength comes from, that's going to greatly hurt us in these days. If we aren't fully able to know where am I gaining strength? Where can I rely on? What can I depend on to strengthen me, to refresh me, to fill me? He says to put on God's whole armor, the armor of a heavy-armed soldier, which God supplies, that you may be able to successfully stand up against all the strategies and the deceits of the devil. We saw this. We saw this several weeks ago when Pastor Paul Brady was with us. And this was kind of what, you know, catapulted us, kind of drew us in this direction. You know, he said, uh, he said this, the devil's not an idiot. In the sense that he has schemes and he has stress. He's not just randomly causing chaos in the world. Um. If you've noticed in, in the world today that there seems to be agendas and strategies and schemes behind everything, okay? 
And I'm not trying to cause us to be, you know, conspiracy theorists and, and you know, looking over our shoulder at everything. We already dealt with that, I believe, in the first when we talked about the, the matter of suspicion and how suspicion will cripple us. Suspicion is not the same as discernment. Discernment's motivated by faith. Suspicion's motivated by fear, okay? And so I'm not talking about creating a suspicious spirit. Oh, wonder what they're thinking now. Wonder what they're doing now. But we do need to have a matter of discernment about us that understands that there are strategies, there are planned out motives and agendas that are taking place. And I'm not talking about a political issue. I'm not talking about a medical issue. I'm not talking about an economic issue. I'm not talking about a military issue. I'm not talking about other nations. We're talking about spiritual forces, wicked forces, that there are issues, agendas, plans behind what we see. And so this is the thing. If we think we're wrestling with flesh and blood, you're already fighting a losing battle. If you think that we're warring against people and warring against natural ideologies and, and man's ability to come up with something, no, you, 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 you don't even see the depth of what we're up against because there is spiritual wickedness behind these things. There, there are things that the church is called to push against, that the church is designed to stand against. And so he says that we need to be able to successfully stand up against the strategies and the deceits of the devil. Because he says in verse 12, let me remind you, we're not wrestling with flesh and blood. Here it is, contending only with physical opponents, or as we heard Pastor Paul say it, those with bodies. We're not warring against those with bodies, right? Look at your spouse and say, you're not my enemy. Well, look them in the eye. You're not my enemy. Go to your boss tomorrow and say, you're not my enemy. I'm sorry I've been treating you like my enemy. Go to your employees tomorrow. Y'all ain't my enemy. Right? The school superintendent, not your enemy. The teacher, not your enemy. The president, not your enemy. Other nations, not your enemy. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. Man, that, that's half the preaching right there. We could go home just on that point alone. I'm not wrestling against flesh and blood. That's a delivering message. We're not, we're not wrestling doctors. We're not wrestling, you know, con, you know, conspiracy theorists. We're not wrestling the CDC. We're not wrestling all these goofy things that the war, that the world has us warring against. Have you noticed that? That in a tactic to uh, say that they want to unite us, they're actually dividing us even further? I, I saw a, a message that was shared about a thousand times. So, I mean, a bunch of people, maybe y'all saw it a pastor out of Tennessee that I've just recently come to learn about, and he just seems like a dynamic minister. But he just got on the whole, the world is trying to divide us. Pastor Kevin Wallace in Tennessee. I think he's in Chattanooga, Tennessee. He said the world's just coming up with ways to divide us. If they can't divide us over color, they'll divide us over finance. If they can't divide us over finance, now they got us divided over vaccines. Who's taking it and who's not? Who's wearing a mask and who's not? Who's doing this and who's doing that? It's just all division. It's, it's people wrestling against flesh and blood. And all the while, 
the enemy is sitting in the back corner with his arms crossed saying, y'all go at it. Y'all wasting your breath on each other. Y'all wasting your time on each other. Y'all wasting your effort on each other. Y'all wasting your energy on each other. Now it's time to get to the real battle. It's time for the church to rise up and fight the real enemy. Amen? We are not wrestling against flesh and blood, contending only with physical opponents. Now, yes, there are people that will submit themselves to one or the other. At the end of the day, there's only two people on this planet. Those that submit themselves to God and his plan, those that are submitted to the enemy and his plan. And there's nobody in between. There is literally nobody in between. There's nobody says, well, I don't, do, I don't support God and I don't support the enemy. I'm doing my own thing. No, you ain't. You think you're doing your own thing, and he's deceived you. That's one of his schemes and his deceitful tactics. He's got you thinking you're fighting your own battle, but you're not. You're fighting for him or you're fighting for God. It's only one or the other. So, yes, there, you know, people will align with one or the other, but at the end of the day, we've got to realize you're not my target. You're not my enemy. And I pray that you see the light. That's why as they're driving nails through his hands, Jesus could say what? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. There's an enemy behind this. He didn't take up war with Pharisees and Sadducees and teachers of the law and those that tried him and those that tested him and those that tried to come in behind him. He didn't take up with the Roman soldiers and Pontius Pilate. and He didn't do it. He refused to fight the battle. He couldn't or he shouldn't so he could fight the one that he was designed to fight. Amen? Just on that note, let's stop fighting the battles we don't need to be fighting. So we have the strength to take on the one we're called to fight. We don't wrestle with flesh and blood, but against despotisms, against the powers, against the master spirits who are the world rulers of this present darkness, against the spirit forces of wickedness in the heavenly supernatural sphere. Therefore, put on God's complete armor that you, and here it is, may be able to resist and stand your ground on the evil day of danger. And having done all the crisis demands, stand firmly in your place. Verse 14, stand therefore, hold your ground. Hold the line. Look at your neighbor, say, hold the line. We're going to hold the line in these last days. We're not giving in. We're not giving up. We're not laying down. Amen? So there is an emphasis on withstanding the enemy. There's an emphasis on staying where we have been assigned. There's an emphasis on what Jesus called, occupy until I come. You have been given ground. You have been given territory. You have been given an assignment. We are not fighting for victory. We're fighting from victory. I remind you again, what Jesus did on the cross, finish, complete, done, end of conversation, can't be backed up, can't be refuted, can't be reversed. The matter of, um, the, the, the question of the matter is, will you walk in it? Will you receive it? Will you hold the line? Will you maintain and retain what God has put in your possession? Reading this in the Passion Translation. 
just trying to help us see some things. Now, my beloved ones, I have saved these most important truths for last. Be supernaturally infused with strength. I love that. Supernaturally infused with strength. Through your life union, everyone say life union. Life union with the Lord Jesus. Stand victorious with the force of his explosive power flowing in and through you. Are you seeing this? That's so good. Put on God's complete set of armor provided for us so that you will be protected as you fight against the evil strategies of the accuser. Your hand-to-hand combat, verse 12, is not with human beings, but with the highest principalities and authorities operating in rebellion under the heavenly realms. For they are a powerful class of demon gods and evil spirits that hold this dark world in bondage. Because of this, you must wear all the armor that God provides so you're protected as you confront the the slanderer, for you are destined for all things and will rise victorious. Amen. So we see that there is this need for withstanding, holding ground, holding the line, maintaining our position, and that the end goal then is that the enemy wants to try to wear us out. The enemy wants us to become fatigued. The enemy wants us to become weary. We saw in week one that when we become weary, number one, we become susceptible and vulnerable to distraction. Have you ever noticed that? You're not on your game, right? There's no edge to you. And so you're easily brought off focus. You don't maintain a, a, a center on what the mission is and what the assignment is. These are not days for the church to be distracted. These are the days where we're going to have to be laser-focused, sharpened, intentional, deliberate. I'm talking to my midweek crew tonight. I'm talking to my Wednesday night. And this Wednesday night crew, by the way, is, is growing. So y'all must be... Hungry for some. This looks like what we used to do on Sundays right here. But we've got to be laser focused right now. Sharpened. I don't mean to overindulge the point. I don't mean to keep pressing that. But there has got to be an intentionality. I'll tell you, in my life, just in, in the last week or so, I've sharpened some things up. I, I've, I've added to some things in my life, and I've reduced some things, cut out. When, when, when you are in seasons of sharpening and focus, there's two things you're going to do. You're going to add to, and you're going to take away. It's a danger to take away without adding to, because now you're left idle. It's a danger to add to without taking away, because now you're over, overburdened. Overscheduled, got too much on the plate. So you got to start reducing your life or taking inventory of your life and say, what needs to be eliminated? What is a distraction? What is taking me off my focus? What is steering me away from that sharpened, that laser focus? And we're going to have to start learning to say no to something. How do you do this? I'll tell you one great way is find something in your life that needs to, that you can lay down. And I would highly encourage you to find something in your life that you value. 
It could be a drink. It could be a, a, a meal. It could be uh, something you enjoy watching, something you, you enjoy listening to. Uh, it, it's, it's always good. This is just healthy for us just in life, but especially right now, to create a healthy habit of reducing clutter. Ever done spring cleaning in your house? I mean, when we moved last year, I think I threw away just as much stuff as we moved. I think I took a, a truckload to the dumpster and a truckload to storage and just alternated. I mean, you just, you just have no idea what gets cluttered. You have no idea what you bring in and leave sitting around. And it just has no use anymore. But find something to reduce, to take out, to, to, to get out of your life, and then find something to add. Find something to sharpen. Find something to do better. I'm doing that with my life. I'm saying, what can I get better at? There's things I just need to do better with. There's things that I can become more um, skilled in or I can be stronger in. You know, Paul was always encouraging the churches to, hey, you've grown to this level. Now let's move on to this next one. We, we need a church that's ready to rise to the next level. Develop some of those, those healthy habits. We saw that those distractions can come in. We become susceptible and vulnerable to those distractions. Um, what was the second thing? The second thing was when we become weary or fatigued, we give in easier. That means our standards get lowered. And, and you know what I've recognized a lot of times is we don't lower our standards intentionally. We lower our standards because we're tired of keeping the standard. You know, standards take work to keep. You ever notice that? Talk to your kids. Go check their bedroom. <laughs> it takes work. It takes work. And so in our lives, over time, gradually, standards get lowered. You've heard us say it before. It's, it's impossible to have high values with low standards. Can't do it. So if we want high values, we've got to maintain a high standard. And you know what? It's going to take some effort. You know, we talked about it on Sunday, the rebuilding. The rebuilding. You know what? If we're going to, if we're going to rebuild the moral standard in this country, it's going to take some work, isn't it? I mean, it, it's, it's so depraved right now. It's so ruined right now. It's so far in the tank right now that if we just kept half the standard of morality, we, we're, we're looking pretty good. That's how far off we've gotten. But no, I want to keep the whole standard. I want to keep all of God's standard. Well, it's going to take work. You know, a lot of these things, they sound great when we preach about it and teach about it and talk about it and write it down in a notepad, but then turning around and saying, okay, that means I got to go to work. And there might be a homosexual at work that I've got to maintain a standard of. I still got to walk in love. I still got to walk with respect. I still got to, I know how to treat them as a person. But at the end of the day, I cannot give in and begin to see things their way. I've got to maintain and keep a standard. And you know what? I might sound harsh doing that. And I might sound, uh, you know, inclusive doing that. And I might sound uh, not as accepting and loving as you think I ought to. But at the end of the day, I'm, I'm compromising your soul if I don't give you truth. Truth is just more, just more important. The standard is just that important. Well, we can't give in in these last days. 
Well, we can't become fatigued. We can't get weary. We can't grow tired because then our standards begin to lower. We begin to accept things that we wouldn't have accepted five years ago. This is why we have to remain strong. Can't get weary. The third thing we saw, when you become weary, you become suspicious. We talked about that spirit that shows up. Now, everything is, you're looking over your shoulder. You think someone's out to get you. You just got a defensive approach to everything. What's your angle? What do you got behind? And we can't then properly understand the spirit of God and how he would have us minister to something. We use the example of Jesus' disciples wanting to call down fire from heaven and burn up a people that turned their back on Jesus. And Jesus says, well, you don't know what spirit you're of. And you can't even minister to the ones that we were sent to minister to because now you've allowed yourself to get over into a dangerous place. See, when we become weary, we become fatigued. It affects how we minister to people. It affects how we talk to people. It affects how we associate with people. Then we be, there's no tact involved anymore. We become abrasive. We, nobody can have normal conversations with us. We become irritable and frustrated. Have you noticed the, the irritation levels through the roof right now? Frustration levels through the roof. Anger levels through the roof. I mean, how do you maintain continuing to pray for the leaders of your country when we're seeing the things that we're seeing? You don't let your spirit get weary. A fatigued individual will start talking bad about their president. A fatigued individual will start calling them out. A fatigued individual will start calling out people that support them. A fatigued, but when you've got a strong individual, they can maintain a posture of respect and reverence regardless of actions taken. They can see that that is a man that needs Jesus. Father, I pray that you send across his path people that can minister to him, someone that can show him. I pray that the blinders fall off his eyes. I pray that his heart becomes softened to your word. I pray that he finds you before it's too late. Weary people can't do that. Weary people are only fending for themselves. Weary people are only looking out for themselves. Weary people are not thinking of How does this affect someone else? Amen. Last week, we kind of got into this. It was very brief. But Galatians chapter 6, we'll go there. Galatians chapter 6. And um, uh, just let's let's look at verse 9. Just jump right to it. Verse 9, he says, and let us not grow weary while doing good. And so we saw this last week that weariness is not automatically an indication we're doing the wrong thing. Weariness can set, up, can set in following God's plan, following God's path. So we, we have to be careful that we don't fall into a deception that, oh, I'm getting wore out, I'm getting tired, I must not be doing what God's called me to do. You know, if I was doing what God called me to do, I would always be at rest, always be at peace, always be. No, that's not the case. He's instructing, don't don't grow weary while doing good. We can do good and still fall entrapped to weariness. That means I can be fighting the right battle, but I might not be doing it the right way. I might be fighting the right war, but I might not be doing it the right way way, that there are some things I need to tweak. There's some things I need to correct. There's some things I need to get into alignment. Do not grow weary. In the Amplified, it reads this way. 
and let us not lose heart. You know, that's usually the first thing that goes when weariness sets in. Heart, what's that? The passion, the drive, the internal effort, the internal push. You know, weary people, it's not that they don't do it. It's just that they do it with a bad attitude. You ever notice that? They know how to go through the motions. They know what to do. They just forget why they're doing it. People wake up every day knowing what to do. People know what to do. People know how to get a task done, know how to get a job accomplished. But we're not compromised for what we do, but we're compromised in why we do it. When we lose the heart, the passion, and the drive behind it, we're no longer able to fulfill the real call and the real assignment. God has never given us a pass on passion. I'll say that again. God has never given us a pass on passion, meaning he'll never look down and say, oh, you poor soul, just, just get it done. I don't, I don't care how you get it done. I don't care how you talk to people. I don't care what your attitude's like. I don't care how you treat the job. We don't get a pass. I mean, he told a church uh, over in one of the letters uh, in Revelations, he said, I've seen all that you do. I see all the good works. I see all, but the, the one thing I have against you, 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 you've lost your first love. Now, you better get it back or I'll put your candlestick out and you'll be forgotten. Oh, so you weren't just interested in my stuff. You were interested in me, is what he's saying. So we can't do things with no passion, with no heart. With, with the, the, the battle we're fighting, it's got to be done the right way. Do not lose heart and grow weary and faint in acting nobly and doing Right, for in due time and at the appointed season we shall reap. Here it is. If we do not loosen and relax our courage and faint. A loosening, not even a fooling on letting go, just a loosening, just a, just a giving in just a little bit, a beginning to lay over, a beginning to lay down, a beginning to, to give up just a little bit. These are not the days for that. These are the days where we've got to be full force pressing in. Pressing toward the mark. We saw this also, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Second Corinthians chapter 10. In verse 3, 2 Corinthians 10 verse 3, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. He says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but are mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. So if I'm going to fight the right war, I've got to fight the right war with the right weapon. I got to know my enemy. A couple things we're discovering. I got to know my enemy, and I got to know what weapon to use on my enemy. I've got to know what works, and I've got to know what doesn't work. If I don't know who the enemy is, how can I fight him? And if I'm not fighting that enemy with the right weapon, then I'm, I'm fighting a losing battle. You're going to exert a lot of energy? Yeah? You're going to put forth a lot of effort, and you're not going to achieve anything. Nobody continues to do anything 
that doesn't achieve results. Nobody continues to do that. I believe one of the reasons why our prayer meetings are always the smallest meetings in any church. You ever notice that? The prayer meetings are the smallest meetings in any church. It's because most of the church doesn't know the power behind prayer. Come on, I'm just being real. And we tend to not do things that don't produce results. There's a lot of the church that doesn't believe prayer works. They love to just send it, oh, I'll be praying for you. Man, if you really believed that that prayer worked, you would stop right then and there, and you would actually pray for them, not tell them you would pray for them. Come on, that's like if, if, if Chris needs gas in his car. And I've, I'm right there. You know, I, we're at a gas station, and I've got money to, to help him get gas in his car. There's gasoline right here in the pump. Well, I, I hope you find some gas. Hope, hope, you figure out, hope you figure that out. No, I'm going to stop right there. Well, here's a pump. Here's my card. This goes in here. The gas is in there. If we take this and put it in the tank. I mean, we start making it work, right? So why tell someone you're going to pray for them when you could just pray for them? Don't talk about it. Do it. Literally stop right there. Let me pray for you right now. I mean, I've done that. I, I don't know how many times this last week. Whether over a text, I'll send them a prayer right over a text. I'll call them up if I'm talking to them. And I'm, I'm going to pray with you right now. You got to come in agreement. You in agreement with me? I make sure they're in agreement. You can't agree with me. I'm going I'm to waste my time. Pray with me. I'll agree with you. I'll stand with you. People used to do that to me when we first moved here. Oh, Pastor, would you pray for this? Yeah, let's pray right now. You in agreement? Do you believe this can happen? And I think they're just like, uh, well, you're, you're the pastor. I thought you had all the, the preachers got the power. No, you got the power. Now, I'll come alongside you, and I'll come in agreement. The Bible says two, touching and agreeing on earth. It's like you got like a calf at a new gate, just like. And it's about their stuff. They want me to pray for their car. They want me to pray for their body. They want me to pray for their, their, their land. They want me to pray for, okay, this is your stuff. I mean, I can come alongside and help you, but ultimately, this, that's your territory. I don't ask you to come to my house and raise my kids. I can ask for your help. I can ask you to, but I'm not going to ask you to do it for me. Okay. <laughs> I think I wore that one down. Let's keep on going. I can't say it again. I don't know what I was saying. I hope y'all got it because go listen to it. So the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Oh, these strongholds, we got to pull them down. Verse 5 says, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. That, that statement right there. I mean, it literally should be like this for us. When a thought comes, we ask the question, is that exalting itself against God? Or is it with God? Is that in alignment, in agreement with God and what his word says? And man, we ought to become so close with God that we know what is, what is in agreement with him and what's not. And that might sound crazy, but let me ask you, 
married people in the room. I bet you have a pretty good idea what is in agreement with your spouse and what's not. If you brought this home to her or to him, they would would have nothing to do with it. See, what I found out is we've been so looking for the will of God that we haven't been looking for God. But I found out if you'll get to know God, you'll get to know what his will is. You'll get to know what he likes. You'll get to know what he dislikes. You get to know what gets him going. You get to, you get to know what he ha- wants nothing to do with. I mean, I, I, you know, I know what I can say to my wife. I know what I can bring home, show her, give her, do for her. And I can almost know the reaction I'll get in response. And I didn't go around to a bunch of people saying, what is Ashley like? Does she like this? No, I got to know her. Her as a person. So here, Paul's saying that we ought to be taking up these thoughts, these arguments. Is it rising itself? Is it raising itself against the knowledge of God? And if it does, this is what he says. Bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. And being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Remember we said this, that you may not be able to keep the thought from coming and knocking on your door, but it's up to you whether you let it in. Give it a room to rent. Feed it and take care of it, right? Stay as long as you want. Bring your friends over, right? This is what we do with these thoughts that come rather than turning them away at the door. Say, no, you don't have any place here. I cast down that thought. I cast out that thought. I cast down that is exalting itself against God. It has no place here. I want nothing to do with it. Look at it in the the Passion Translation. I love the way it reads here. Verse 3, for although we live in the natural realm, we don't wage a military campaign employing human weapons, using manipulation to achieve our aims. Instead, our spiritual weapons are energized with divine power to effectively dismantle the defenses behind which people hide. We can demolish every deceptive fantasy that opposes God and break through every arrogant attitude that is raised up in defiance of the true knowledge of God. We capture, like prisoners of war, every thought and insist that it bow in obedience to the anointed one. Since we are armed with such dynamic weaponry, we stand ready to punish any trace of rebellion as soon as you choose complete obedience. It's a simple question, but are we casting out thoughts? We casting down thoughts? I mean, I'll be transparent with you. You know, our household earlier this year, when I say household, my wife and I, you know, we battled with COVID. We got it for Christmas from her parents. It's a gift that keeps on giving. Woke up Christmas morning, ah, you know, something is not right. And we left. We were in St. Augustine. We came home. And, you know, we, it was a few days, you know, of, 
you know, just going through the symptoms. Many of you have probably experienced it. But Camden and Austin, no issue. I mean, they're climbing all over us. They're kissing all over us. They're spitting on us. We're changing diapers. I mean, we're giving baths. We're doing all this stuff. Not a single issue. Well, then I hear, you know, this new thing that's going around or whatever that kids are getting it. And, and, and several kids, you know, he, right here in church. And so the thought came, this time Camden's going to get it. <laughs> See, this is the kind of stuff we're talking about. According to this verse, I ought to make that thought pay for ever even showing its face at my door. Like a prisoner of war. I jumped all over that thought, man. Oh, man, I nailed it to the wall. I don't care what you got to do, but you got to get real. You got to get serious. You got to get indignant. You got to get up in the face and said, how dare you think you have any business back in my house, back on my child. Man, I went straight over to him, laid hands on him. I said, it will not touch your body. I dare a single virus to drop inside of this house. I dare you. Well, then, you know, over the weekend, little sniffle, little this, little that. And I'm like, no, 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 we're not. Now I'm even seeing it. But faith calls those things to be not as though they were. Faith is evidence of things not seen. So, man, we're on top of it. Now, I'll also say this, that we weren't so dumb and stupid. The school asked us, if you experience these certain things, we asked that you keep them home. So guess what? On Monday, he got an extra day. He had a three-day weekend. But I told him, I said, you're not staying home because you have something. Let me make this very clear. You are fine. You are the healed of the Lord. There is nothing in your body, and even what is trying to show itself has to go. And you need to go back to school because you can't be staying up. I just got you out of my house. I'm sorry. Don't you think you're sitting around here for 10 days quarantining? No, sir. I'll throw you in the back of the truck, drop you off. I made the thought pay. Got no business. Man, like a prisoner of war. Like a prisoner of war. It says in verse 5 there, we can demolish every deceptive fantasy. <laughs> it's either faith or fantasy, man, that opposes God and break through every arrogant attitude. Now, how do we get here? How do we know this? See, we need to be able to capture this stuff immediately. We need to be able to identify and target these thoughts when they come. Just like a, a, a military soldier would be able to identify someone of enemy lines. They've got to know that. No matter how it's disguised, no matter what manipulation or tactics are used, we need to be able to clearly identify that's not a thought from God. How do I know that? Look at Matthew chapter 11. This will take us back to what we were seeing there 
in Ephesians. Wrap this up right here, Matthew chapter 11. How can I know when these thoughts come? Some are more obvious than others, but notice he said, demolish every deceptive fantasy. That means that some of them are going to come hidden. Some of them are going to come with a deception, with a deceptive covering, a wolf in sheep's clothing, if you will. I'm not just talking people. I'm talking the way these thoughts. This is how the enemy, the enemy hides himself. He hides his motives. He hides his intentions. Did God really say? Oh, well, he knows that if you eat, that you'll be like him, knowing both good and evil. He's hiding his tactic. He's hiding it, intentionally deceiving to cause you to come off. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Jesus speaking, he says this, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That sounds great, doesn't it? I will give you rest. We're talking about overcoming weariness. We're talking about overcoming this fatigue that shows up, this tiredness, this weariness. The enemy's trying to outlast you. I'm trying to withstand. I'm trying to remain uh, opposed to the enemy. And he says, I will give you rest. Come to me. Verse 29, here it is. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. That's your mind, your will, and your emotions. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. He's not saying sit around and do nothing. He's actually saying, I will trade you burdens. I'm going to trade you yokes. See, here's the thought. I, I, I used to have this question. I remember growing up. How do you cast down a thought? Right? How do you not think about something? You ever played that game of do not think about pink elephants with blue polka dots? Don't think about pink elephants. What are you thinking about? Pink elephants with blue. Some of y'all are thinking about blue elephants with pink polka dots. Dyslexic in your brain. Got it backwards. No, you're thinking exactly what I'm telling you not to think. I'm not going to think sickness. I'm not going to think disease. I'm not going to think. I'm not. No. What you cast down, you have to replace. When you cast a thought down, you have to replace it. That's why he says, bring it into submission. Man, you ought to be able to have the word of God to apply to anything that comes to you that is contrary to the word. Remember when the devil came to Jesus, tempting him? Oh, uh, you know, if you are the son of God. And what did he respond with every time? It is written. It is written. It is written. He had not just the, ah, get out of here, I'm not listening to you. No, he replaced the thought or replaced the temptation or replaced what was proposed to him with the word of God. There's got to be a replacement. We've got a replacement issue. Oh, no, I don't, I don't want your sickness, devil. But then we don't know God's word on. And I'll tell you right now, the devil will have no problem convincing you of his word if you don't know God's word. If you're not convinced of God's, you can become convinced of the enemies. 
No, I'm not just casting, casting, casting. I'm replacing, replacing, replacing. I've got to put something in for everything I take out. In fact, I would put two or three in for every one you cast out. I can promise you, you can find at least two or three witnesses. Let everything be confirmed by two or three witnesses. You can find extra witnesses. No, Mr. Devil, I don't have to succumb to that. Here's what God's word said. Oh, and then he also said, and then also over here he said, and man, I'm just building my case. And by the time, not only are you convinced, you can convince him to get off your case. Come on now. What did Jesus eventually do? He told him to get out, and he what? He left. He fled. I mean, that's the kind of stuff I'm talking about. That's how you withstand. And that was a man that was 40 days and 40 nights with no food. Some of y'all ain't going tonight with no food, and you already give in. <laughs> you already weary. Jesus went a whole month and 10 days on top without food. And he still fought off. Still fought off. No, he says, take my yoke. So lay down that burden and lay down that heavy, that, that heavy burden, that, that yoke that you're carrying, and take on mine. Look at this in the, the Passion Translation. This is what we got to see. Verse 28. Are you weary? Carrying a heavy burden? Come to me. I will refresh your life, for I am your oasis. Notice he says, I am. I will. It's not just wanting something from God. It's wanting God himself. Man, I'm telling you, if you can get your devotion with the King of kings and the Lord of lords to go to the next level, there's nothing that can stop you. This is not trying to find some pattern or formula or special prayer or, or if I do this and this and this, then the devil will leave me alone. No, it's about coming, becoming so close to him that now we are in sync. Watch this. Verse 29. Simply join your life with mine. Simply join your life with mine. Look at this. Learn my ways, and you'll discover that I'm gentle, humble, and easy to please. You will find refreshment and rest. Where? In me. For all that I require of you will be pleasant and easy to bear. Remember in Ephesians, uh, it was worded this way. Uh, in conclusion, be strong in the Lord, 6 verse 10. Be empowered through your union with him. I don't want, I don't just want strength from God. I want time with God. And if I will spend time with God, then I will receive strength from God. Are you seeing this connection? How do we see this displayed? Jesus, many times, would go and get alone with the Father. Y'all remember that? Now, here's the thing. When Jesus would go and get alone with the Father, he wasn't getting away from the world. He was getting with God. He starts this off by saying, come to me. 
not get away from. So I would ask the question, when you spend time with God, is it more focused on I'm tired of this or I need this? Is it more focused on trying to get away from this or is it more focused on I got to get with this? Because here's what I do know. If things are starting to get with me or if things are starting to get to me, that means I'm not getting to him. If people are getting to me, if the news is getting to me, if challenges are getting to me, if if issues are getting to me, then that means I'm not spending time with him. And when I spend time with the Father, it's not to get away from something else. It's because I want to be with him. And as a byproduct, I learn his sinks. I, I sync up with him. I think like him. I talk like him. I react like him. I do what he wants me to do, and I say what he wants me to say, and I go where I, and Jesus' life was in sync with the Father, so much so that he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. We're in sync. We're in sync. It can never be manipulated. And so he knew when something was of an evil spirit. He knew when something was not of an evil spirit. He never got it wrong. You ever notice that? He never got it wrong. He never healed somebody he wasn't supposed to heal. He never cast out a demon he wasn't supposed to cast out. He, he, he never did a miracle he wasn't supposed to do. He, wasn't, he never said something he wasn't supposed to say. He never went somewhere he wasn't supposed to go. His life was synced up, and that's where he derived his strength. There was one time in closing, there was one time in John chapter 4, he was on his way through Samaria. Most of the time they didn't go through Samaria, they went around Samaria, but this time he went through Samaria, and a woman at a well came up to get some water, and he was there, and he said, draw me some water. He's having this conversation. Well, if you read a few verses earlier, it says that Jesus was weary from his journey. He's not there for a revival. He's not there for a ministry line. He's not there, you know, to give prophecies and to help. He's there because he's weary. And give me some water. I'm thirsty. That's That's it. He had already sent his disciples into the town to get him food. Go hit a Chick-fil-A or something. Go get me. You know what one thing I do believe in heaven? Chick-fil-A will be open on Sunday. When I get out of church, I can literally go up through and say I want a number one with American cheese. (laughs) I just had to throw that out there. That's the only thing that's holding them back. Four stars. You would have five stars if you open on Sunday. That's okay. He sent his disciples in there. He's weary. He's tired. Go get me some food. They come back after he ministers to this woman, trying to give him this food. And he says, no, I'm good. Like, what do you mean you're good? He said, I've already eaten. Where'd you get food? Well, my food is to do the will of my father. I'm telling you, you would find so much strength in just simple devotion. Come to me. Weary, come to me. Not to get away from, but to be with me. Right? Come on. You, you don't ever want someone to be with you because you were the second choice, right? Well, I'm just tired of doing that. Can I come hang out with you? Oh, well, thanks. 
No, you want to know your value. You want to know that somebody wants to be with you. You want to know that someone wants to be devoted to you, wants to be around you, wants to draw from you. And God's saying the same thing to us. He says, come to me. Sink your life up with me. Take on my yoke. We're going to do this together. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Not saying that there isn't one, but you are trading your burden for his. Yeah. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. Get away. Don't get away from, get away with. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Amen. Sync up with God. In these days, we've got to sync up with Him. Guys, I, you know, so many times when we, when we see what's happening around us and, and we are feeling it, you hear me as a church, as a pastor, to our church charging us on, challenging us, man, don't give in. I mean, that, 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 that can be easy to say from the coach to the player on the field that's playing every down and pressing up against that line every single time. Coach, you don't know what I'm going against. You don't know how big they are. You don't know how strong they are. But I want you to understand that this is easy. These are your easiest days. These are your best days. It's time for us to rise up out of the pressures and the weights and the burdens and sync up our life with Jesus. Because different from a coach that's telling you on a sideline, do this, he's doing it with you. And he says that when I sync my life up, my life union with him, I will actually draw strength. I'm telling you, you ought to be stronger when you come out of devotion with God. I was just talking with someone today. He said the, the, the key for me is I start my day off in the word. I don't squeeze it into the end. I don't make a little time in the middle. I start off because whatever's coming is going to flow from whatever strength I receive. Guys, we can all do that. We can all set the alarm a little bit earlier. We can all do something to stretch ourselves and say, God, I've got to have your strength for what's coming. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithvaldosta.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.